Hello and welcome to episode 22.5, the hidden episode of the hidden things and hidden things, which is to say we forgot to record it. So this is the commentary for chapter 16. Uh, so we're, we're going to do that a little bit of that now because we didn't get a chance to do about this, which is really ironic, honestly, and, and sort of funny and sad because really chapter 16 in a lot of ways is the section... Probably with chapter 15 where Calliope and, and Vicus are walking along the highway and, you know, there's a little streaks on the road and they're pulling up dragon scales. And then this scene, this series of scenes where Calliope and Vicus sort of meet the dragon, these are probably collectively the section of the story that I was writing toward from the very beginning of the story. So for me, it's this is really where things start to, I don't want to say go downhill because that that implies that everything is easy after this point in time. That's sort of the opposite of things. But this is where absolutely unstoppable momentum hits the story. Once you've got a dragon, you've got momentum. One of the things that I really, really like about this at the very beginning is uh, when Calliope's poking around the uh, rest stop is the the map with all the scribbles and stuff on it. Because I, there's actually quite a few Easter eggs hidden in there with hints about other stories that I'm planning on doing. The 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 point about how Storm Lake is circled with three different colors doesn't indicate that it's particularly important. It indicates that there are three different factions that are sort of vying for control of that area. And that's where the name of the place comes from. Is you know that's where the storms of Storm Lake come from. Never actually been to Storm Lake. I, I've known some people from there over the course of my life, so it's always kind of stuck in my head as a really cool a cool place name, so I've kind of always played around with it in my head. I'll always like that, and just the idea that she starts to consciously think about going home by looking at that map is a part of the story that I really kind of like. Obviously, there's the meeting of the dragon, and for those of you who've now listened, hopefully, if you're listening to this, you've already listened to the audio portion of the story where we introduce the dragon. You know that we've done some audio stuff with the dragon's voice. And there's a lot of different ways that people have envisioned the dragon. Uh, I've told the story before about how some people thought, think of the dragon as female, uh, think of the dragon as male, don't think of the dragon's gender at all. Uh, the dragon is specifically a non-gendered being, the way I specifically wrote it, at least in the final draft. And even after listening to this and all that we have did to, did to it, it made it what I think of as, as a pretty you know, masculine voice. My wife still listens to it and says, could be female, could be a girl. Um, so, you know, you're going you're gonna to see what you, what you want to see in these stories. The rest stop is sort of another one of those areas, and I, we talked about this a little bit before, like, like the hotel, like the diner, there are these sort of soulless places where there's living taking place without a lot of life in them that at the same time are not temporary places. They're, they're usually fairly defensible like concrete bunkers so uh this is a fun place for me in that it's a place with a lot of physical permanence with a lot of spiritual permanence and one of the reasons that it ends up being kind of a crossroads there's there's very much sort of a a, a deal at the crossroads sort of vibe with the scene with calliope and vicus that i i think is sort of baked into these kind of places. If you've ever been to a rest stop, you know, you see fewer and fewer of these things, I feel like on the highways, like they close a lot of them, but 
So maybe this is sort of an aspect of the Americana of the past. Certainly some weird stuff going on there. The song that Calliope sings, again, uh, this, this all came down to, I can't pay for this, so I can't really say specifically what kind of song it is. We, t- we talked about it, and we, we reached out to the people in question. There was a line, I'm, I'm still not going to say specifically what song it was, but in one iteration, or earlier iterations of this scene, I, I don't ever say the entire lyrics of the song. It flowed from the idea that, you know, they're standing in the mist in the rain, and she's watching this mist come down, and she's sort of looking at it, beating up on her sweater and jacket that have been discarded on the ground and starts singing, you took your coat off and stood in the rain. You were always crazy like that. That's the line that everything sort of flows from from there. I don't even know what the rest of the lyrics of the song are. I don't really care. I remember them being mad, angry towards the end, but that was about it. What is the name of that song? Foolish Games. <laughs> in no way, shape, or form saying that's the kind of songs that Calliope sings, but that was the song that was in my head when I wrote this bit that sort of vibe that I was going with Calliope with the idea that she's very compelling live. You know, she really gets people into the music, even if they can't, they'll end up listening to albums over and over and over again later. They really like listening to her live because she's just got a great presence. And uh, there's some live recording I've heard of that song of hers where she just gets mad like two thirds of the way through the song. Like she's really... Her voice kind of cracks a little bit. And it's it's a really cool recording to listen to. And that's it kind of stuck with me, and it just seemed like an appropriate... There's lyrics in there kind of mapped to the stuff that's going on with Calliope. So that in, my, in my head, that's the song. Whichever one go, oh my God, that's terrible that she's singing Jewel. Now I hate her. Okay, fine. Um, let it be your own song. Come up with a different set of lyrics, which I know a lot of people have done. They, list, you know, they sort of imagine a certain song in here. I love writing Maka. Maka is just one of those, every, almost every single one of Maka's lines, or at least each one of his exchanges, makes me laugh. Because of, he's, it's, it's laughable the way, he, the way he says certain things. He's so matter-of-fact about things. And you would laugh at how almost simplistic the worldview is, in some cases, or how completely cocksure and arrogant the dragon is, except you would not dare laugh at the dragon. because. So I, I had this thing where I was having him say outrageous things and then realizing that I needed the dragon to be awesome enough for them not to be outrageous, for them simply to be appropriately in scope for the dragon and the result of those two things sort of fighting against each other you know that synergy sort of created the dragon which as awesome as the dragon is one of the things that one of the moments that makes me love calliope even more one of the one of the bits where i realize that she and vicus are really they're clicking is the dragon says something disparaging about Vicus. Your guide is incompetent. And she immediately bristles and gets like sort of gets in the gets in his face. Realizing that's an incredibly bad idea and backpedals fairly quickly. But her instinct is you don't get to say that about Vicus. That I just want to hug her because she's she cares now and that's I just love that scene a lot. 
this is a big transition. This is thing where things kind of tip over into the next bit. You know, there's a tipping point. And now we've got a lot of momentum going forward. We meet the dragon, but we also see Vicus and Calliope really clicking. There's the trust. There's the Calliope's opening up enough to Vicus to go to her family's, even though he's right there. She trusts him with that. I don't know if the dragon really comes into the trust thing. I think he's above that. It isn't a matter of personal trust one way or there. He's just sort of above that issue. You don't, it, the dragon doesn't care whether you trust him or not. So, or her, or it, which makes it, you know, you can always trust it because if it turns out you can't trust it, you're going to be dead. So it doesn't matter. So that's chapter 16 in a nutshell, except for one little footnote where I feel I pat myself on the back for one more jelly packet reference in the book before I finally let that joke go. And then we're off to meet Calliope's mom and have that boss fight. The first of two boss fights, because we go from, we go from the house and we go off into town and we have the dad come into things. But, so this is that moment where you, you've got a good, you know, really cool thing just happen, so she can kind of ride that wave into what's going to be a bit of a meat grinder for her for the next chapter, which we'll get to in the real episode 23 that probably should have been 24 and number all those things for it or anything like that. So here's your little hidden packet of joy about chapter 16, and we will talk to you after the next episode. 